Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This week on Hometown Ghost Stories, when you think of Paris, a few landmarks stand out. The Eiffel Tower and the Notre Dame Cathedral are just two of those. But there is much more to the story than a romantic landmark or a beautiful cathedral. Both of these locations have a terrifying connection. Not only are they both considered to be haunted, but they have a much darker and deadly story. Join us as we dive into just a few of the many haunted locations in Paris, France. This is episode number 62 of Hometown Ghost Stories, Ghosts of the City of Light. Paris, France, 2019, 997, 998, 999, 1000. Pierre stopped to take a breath. He always counted the steps as he ascended the tower. It was almost ritualistic. He had been working at the Eiffel Tower for 11 years now, and his job was to walk the stairs of the tower to make sure nobody was lingering after it closed for the night. He looked at his watch. 11.30 p.m. He was making good time. It was pretty common to find people lingering on the tower after hours, whether it be vandals, sneaky teenagers, or simply tourists who were unaware that the tower had closed. But tonight seemed quiet. 1,001, 1,002, 1,003. He was a little more than two-thirds of the way up the tower at this point. The full moon hung proudly in the night sky, parallel to Pierre as he marched up the steps. 1,081, 1,082, 1,083. Pierre shivered, suddenly struck by a drop in temperature. He shook it off and paid it little mind, not entirely uncommon given the increased altitude as he climbed the seemingly insurmountable staircase. 1,115, 1,116, 1,117... Pierre felt his phone vibrate in his pocket. Without breaking stride, he retrieved his phone and clicked the button to unlock the screen. As he was focusing on the screen, he saw something out of the corner of his eye. He looked up from his phone and just barely caught a glimpse of someone rounding the corner of the landing just above him. Hey, Pierre called out and quickened his pace, taking two steps at a time as he sprinted towards the landing. 1,191, 1,193, 1,195. As he rounded the corner, he caught a glimpse of her. It was a young woman with long, flowing hair. She was wearing a dress. He quickened his pace, calling after her, but he couldn't close the distance. He was shocked at how well she kept her distance from him. He was in phenomenal shape after more than a decade of climbing these steps, and she seemed to be gliding up the stairs so effortlessly. 
He was striding three steps at a time by now, gripping the railing to propel himself in an effort to gain more speed. 1,385, 1,388, 1,391. Ma'am, Pierre shouted at her, but she paid him no mind. He was rounding landing after landing, panting and sprinting, but couldn't seem to close the gap, and yet she continued to glide along so effortlessly. Pierre didn't slow his pace. Three steps at a time with his long legs, he pursued her up the staggering staircase. Eventually, she was going to reach the top and have nowhere to go. 1,631, 1,634, 1,637. His heart was feverishly trying to pound its way through his ribcage as he finally started to close the distance. He rounded the final landing before the summit and saw the woman standing at the top by the railing. Ma'am, Pierre shouted, between gasping attempts to catch his breath. But before he could say anything further, she lifted her leg and placed one foot on the railing as if to pull herself up. Pierre was straightened up and placed his hands on his hips as he caught his breath. The summit platform was surrounded by a cage, so if she was faking like she was going to jump, he wasn't going to take the bait. Ma'am, Pierre repeated, but it was as if she didn't hear him. She just continued to climb the railing until she was standing at the top. Then, she fell forward. No cage stopped her. She just stretched her arms out to the side and leapt. Pierre watched in shock as her body dropped down. He sprinted the rest of the way to the summit, assuming the cage must have been tampered with. 1,659? 1,662? 1,665? When he reached the top, he found the cage intact. He grabbed it, giving it a good shake to test its integrity, and it didn't budge. He looked down and saw her body tumbling through the air just moments before it disappeared. I'm Jesse Wilkins, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, Paris, France. When you think of Europe, a few landmarks immediately come to mind. The Colosseum, the Parthenon, Big Ben, and of course, the Eiffel Tower. You know the one. The massive wrought iron lattice tower. The go-to spot for not-so-creative boyfriends to eagerly propose to their girlfriends. The over 1,000-foot-tall structure towering over the city that Adolf Hitler once ordered to be torn down. Well, it's hard to talk about Paris without at least mentioning the Eiffel Tower. And as it turns out, the sixth tallest man-made structure in the world, sitting west of central Paris, has more than a few dark and haunting tales. It was constructed from 1887 to 1889 as the entrance to the 1889 World Fair. At the time, it sat as the tallest man-made structure in the world, named after Gustav Eiffel, whose company designed and built the tower. The first death at the tower was during its construction, where surprisingly only one person fell to his death. The Eiffel Tower was originally designed to only stand for 20 years, but after seeing how popular and how profitable it was, the people of Paris decided to keep it around. What I find to be the most impressive stat about the Eiffel Tower isn't its staggering height or longevity, not even its ghosts. 
It's the fact that in 1925, a man named Count Victor Lustig sold the Eiffel Tower. Twice. Lustig was no ordinary man. He spoke five different languages fluently, carried dozens of passports at all times, and used 47 aliases. His web of lies grew so thick that his true identity remains much a mystery. He managed to convince American businessmen that the city planned to tear down the tower and sell it to the highest bidder for the right price. Reason being, it was becoming a burden and it was unsafe. He pulled off this scam not once, but twice, until he was eventually caught. Not for selling Eiffel Towers, but in a massive counterfeit banknote operation that was so vast it apparently threatened to shake the confidence in the American economy. Lustig was arrested in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania on September 28, 1935 and was sentenced to 20 years on Alcatraz. While serving his sentence, he made several medical requests, filling over 500 prescriptions, which led the guards to believe he was faking his illness in a scheme to escape from prison. They even found ripped bedsheets in his room, which was a common sign of elaborate rope making. He was eventually transferred to a secure medical facility in Missouri, where they soon realized that he was not faking, as he died from complications arising from pneumonia in 1947. But this is where the story gets a little more strange. In 2015, an historian named Thomas Andell tirelessly dug into Count Lustig's past to find out who he really was. Thomas happened to be from the same hometown, and he wanted to know more about their most infamous citizen. He dug through records rescued from Nazi bonfires and searched endlessly through historical documents, but he couldn't even find records of Lustig attending any of the local primary schools. Ansel would later conclude that there wasn't even a shred of evidence that Victor Lustig was ever born. During the German occupation of France in 1940, the lift cables in the Eiffel Tower were cut, and in 1945, Hitler ordered that the tower be torn down. But the Nazis obviously never followed through. The cables would be repaired after World War II in 1946. And as you probably already know, the Eiffel Tower still stands today and is open to the public. Since 1887, it's estimated that around 400 suicides have occurred at the tower. Although this number is unconfirmed, it's believed that this, as well as a few alleged murders and several accidental deaths at the location, have led to a staggering amount of paranormal activity. In several of these suicides, witnesses have claimed that the jumpers look possessed, some of them laughing maniacally before they jump to their deaths. One of the most common ghost sightings at the Eiffel Tower is a woman dressed in 1920s attire. Her ghost walks the observation deck, fading in and out of view before replaying her death over and over. First, she could be heard laughing, then the laughs turn to screams as her ghost leaps over the edge. Some theorize that she is the ghost of a woman who may have been pushed from the tower after she rejected a marriage proposal. Others believe that she was so shocked by the proposal that she accidentally backed over the railing and fell to her death. Her ghost is not alone, as others claim to see other spirits in different era clothing. Extreme cold spots, even on warm summer days, leave some to wonder if they have just crossed paths with a ghost, and shadow figures have been seen darting around the decks. Workers at the tower also believe it's haunted, as they report hearing footsteps after hours, as well as voices coming from empty shops. They also experience unexplained electrical malfunctions, and have spotted people lurking on the visitor's platform when the area is closed. 
as they make their way over to inform them that they are in fact trespassing, these figures vanish into thin air. The Notre Dame Cathedral Construction on the Notre Dame Cathedral began in 1163 and was mostly completed by 1260, although it would be frequently modified over the years. The meaning of its name translates to Our Lady of Paris. The cathedral was dedicated to the Virgin Mary and is considered one of the finest examples of French Gothic architecture. After the French Revolution in 1789, Notre Dame was seized and made public property. The cathedral was rededicated in 1793 to the cult of reason, then in 1794 to the cult of the supreme being. During this time, most of the valuables and treasures in the cathedral were either stolen or destroyed. The 28 statues of biblical kings were beheaded as they were mistaken for French kings. Many of these lost heads were recovered in a 1977 nearby excavation, but they were not returned to their bodies and they are now on display at the Musée de Cluny. On several altars, the Virgin Mary was replaced by the Goddess of Liberty, and all other statues were destroyed. The cathedral was used as a warehouse for decades until Napoleon restored Notre Dame to the Catholic Church in 1801. During the Paris Commune of 1871, the cathedral and other churches were closed down as roughly 200 priests and the Archbishop of Paris were taken as hostages. The communards targeted the cathedral and piled furniture in an attempt to burn the building down but they abandoned the plan when they realized that the fire would likely burn the neighboring hospital, which was filled with hundreds of patients. Over the centuries, the cathedral has seen a series of gruesome and horrifying suicides. On several occasions, people have chosen Sunday Mass to walk up to the altar and shoot themselves in front of a packed house. More commonly, and much like the Eiffel Tower, people seem to be throwing themselves from the towers of the cathedral. The most famous death at Notre Dame was that of Marie Felix in 1882. Marie was described as a young, beautiful woman with long braided hair. The cathedral staff noticed her one October morning as she was pacing around the cathedral for hours. She was denied access to the towers without a chaperone, so she seemed to be desperately seeking someone to accompany her. She finally met an old woman and they left the cathedral together. They returned a few hours later at 2 p.m and entered the tower. A heavy downpour forced them to hunker down in the watchman's sentry box. To everyone's surprise, she suddenly climbed the parapet and jumped off. She landed on the spikes atop one of the railings, cutting her body in half at the waist. The top half of her body remained impaled on the spikes. In the week following her death, over 25,000 people a day visited the morgue to view her mangled corpse. In 1890, a similar incident claimed the life of an unidentified woman who also jumped from the towers. Her body was dashed to pieces in the streets below, as described by eyewitnesses. In 1964, a 21-year-old American tourist named Veronica McConnell visited the cathedral as the first and last stop on her visit to Paris. Another woman just happened to jump from the North Tower as she arrived. She landed directly on Veronica. Neither woman survived the incident. Almost the same scenario would take place in 1983 when 24-year-old Veronique Stella Bordillon came crashing to the pavement, killing herself and 29-year-old Joanne Pelletier, who was standing at the doors to the cathedral. Many believe that these incidents are just some of the many reasons that the cathedral is now considered to be among the most haunted locations in Paris. Visitors claim to see the ghostly apparition of a female pacing among the towers. 
they also hear disembodied screams, to a point where security is often alerted of a possible leaper. But when they check the towers and the street below, no woman is found. These spirits have also been spotted walking along the roof of the cathedral, dashing behind the gargoyles before they disappear. During the construction of the cathedral, a young man named Biscornet was hired to do the ironwork for the cathedral's doors. He was well-renowned as one of the best ironworkers in France. However, many of his designs would be turned down, as they just weren't quite elegant enough for Notre Dame. Exhausted, he turned to prayer, but his prayers went unanswered, and design after design, he just couldn't get the job done. Legend has it, he turned to the devil for answers. Many believe he sold his soul to the devil in exchange for a design that would be accepted. And sure enough, his next design would be the most magnificent design that anybody had ever seen. His proposal was accepted and the doors were built. But there was one small problem. Although the doors seemed to fit perfectly, the devil's design prevented the doors from opening. Infuriated, the construction workers went to Biscornet's apartment to find out how to open the doors. They found his dead body hanging with a suicide note that happened to leave directions on how to fix the problem. The solution was to douse the doors in holy water. Sure enough, the doors opened after the priest casted holy water on the devil's doors. Other versions of the legend say that after he promised his soul to the devil to get the job done, the devil himself completed the ironwork on the doors as Biscornet napped. In 2019, a fire broke out beneath the roof of the Notre Dame Cathedral, causing a devastating amount of damage. The building's spire and roof collapsed. Luckily, the stone vaulted ceiling spared the interior from extensive damage as the roof fell in, and most of the art and religious relics were moved out during the emergency. Three people were injured during the blaze, and luckily, nobody died. The cathedral is expected to be fully restored by 2024. I'm Jesse Wilkins, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, Paris, France, Part 1. folks and welcome into hometown ghost stories episode number 62 paris france i'm jesse wilkins i'm joined by rob coakley hello rob i'm glad to see that you and dave have decided to wear your christmas attire onto tonight's episode <laughs> and so did you we all look great in our christmas outfits uh welcome in dave thank you happy to be here yes thanks to everyone who is uh hang on hanging out in live chat uh, welcome in, and I hope you all had a phenomenal Christmas and Happy New Year's in advance. It's coming up quick. Um, yeah, so so Paris, there, there are so many haunted locations in Paris, and there was so much on just these two locations that I decided just to stick to two locations. But there are obviously many, and the main one that a lot of people think of when they think about Paris are the catacombs. But we'll save that for part two. Oh, we'll touch on a couple of them. That's but a good point. Yeah, but um, there are... There are so much surrounding these two locations that I figured we would jump into these as well. Nice choice of words there that we're going to jump into these. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of jumping. Yeah. A lot of jumping in France, apparently. 
Yeah, and, and a lot of similarities with these two stories, actually, which was kind of eerie. So, um, I mean, obviously, the Eiffel Tower has a lot of um, a lot of a lot of suicides, people jumping from it, uh, people falling from it. They've obviously put in a lot of security measures to fix the situation. Um, yeah, it's all completely um, encased in a cage, so you couldn't. You'd have to climb the outside of it to jump from it now. Yeah, I was looking for footage of um, the stairs for the opening story there. And I actually came across a video and I could not stop watching this guy who climbed the tower and then got arrested, but he climbed it and ended up spending the entire night there because security saw him and they just kept going up and down the elevator trying to like catch him. I don't know how they planned to catch him in the elevator, but they yeah. just kept going, they kept going by me like, Hey, get down. Hey, get down. <laughs> I don't know what they're going to do, but uh, he was uh, his whole YouTube channel is just him climbing stuff and getting arrested a lot. <laughs> and it's uh, it's actually insanely entertaining to watch. So uh, don't people still climb it to try to like uh, base jump off of it occasionally? Isn't I think so. Yeah. Things that happens there. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of that that goes on over there. It's just like if you're if that's your thing, if you're a base jumper or if you're you know like a YouTuber who climbs things like that's got to be like the number one thing that you do. Number one, because it's I mean, I'm not going to say it's easy to climb because obviously for most people, it's not easy to climb. But if you're like one of those people who like scale buildings, that's mm-hmm. going to be one of the easier ones to do because you can grip onto the cage. I've seen videos right. where like people are like grabbing onto like the sides of stones and stuff and doing it. So if you're used to that, I mean, the the it's Eiffel Tower would be it's a breeze. Essentially, yeah. Unless there's too much of a breeze. <laughs> um, what, yeah. what about these psychopaths that like climb stuff just to like hang off of it? Like they just like base jumping is one thing. Like I can get down with base jumping. I understand like, you know, you have a parachute. There's a level of safety to it. Yeah. But these psychos that just like climb stuff and they're just like hanging on and doing like the selfie yeah. on the whole thing. I'm like, yeah, I'm not even scared of heights, but that's a crazy. whole nother level of like, like anxiety. A whole, a whole Netflix, yeah, a whole Netflix documentary on um I don't know if it was a series or a documentary. I haven't watched it, but I've seen clips of it of this guy who just climbs like he scales mountains with absolutely no safety measures, like no he's just wearing a t shirt and his jeans and he's just just climbing yeah, insane. I think he ended up dying, or one of the no, guys that no, does it died. Didn't. The one that I'm that, picking up. That guy die. is me. Oh, oh that's right. I forgot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I do no not idea. You're so athletic. Yeah, that's why we have to do this show on Tuesdays because the other six days of the week I am scaling mountains with no equipment. Papa Squash says the only climbing that he does is into his bed after a long day. <laughs> we can all relate with that. But what's up, Papa Squatch? What's up to the Church of the Stephanies? Anna, everyone who's hanging out in live chat. I see a lot of uh, a lot of folks. Spagucci made a little uh made a little appearance. Love to see Spagooch. Mm, it's been and a while. Everyone else hanging out. Bro Dad's here. I want to say what's up to Troy, who's here on uh watching on Facebook and longtime listener and finally made it to a live showing and the people are waiting for our french accents and those will come soon enough yeah i don't i don't know who's waiting for them i'm not i yeah, but you're gonna get it pretty sure everyone is yeah. so yeah uh, right, so do we want to kick it off with the eiffel tower and talk about like this insane... i suppose we do i was getting anxiety while you were counting the stairs in the opening episode i mean the opening <laughs> story I because so, I do that shit. <clears throat> I know. <laughs> so Dave wrote the uh, the story. Dave, did you actually, I know you've been to the Eiffel Tower and you've actually climbed the stairs as well. Yes. Did you Google how many stairs there are? Like, were we, uh, 
Get yeah, they're, the they're exact. Yeah, there's 665 stairs to the Eiffel Tower, and I did. I climbed all of them back in 2000. Uh, that was a pretty cool experience. The Eiffel Tower is weird. So you you get to Paris, right? And then Wait, there's only hang on, hang on, go back. Yeah. There's only 665 yeah. stairs. 1,665. Oh, 1, okay. 600. Sorry. They're really 1, big 665 stairs. <laughs> stairs. Yeah. The, the number that I had said in the opening story, yes. 1,665 stairs. And uh, so it's weird. You get to Paris, right? And you can see the head of this tower poking over the tree line. You're like, oh, my God, this thing's massive. And then once you get to it in person, it's like, oh, it's really not as big as I thought. And then you climb it and you get to the top and you're like, this is the biggest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, well, that opening yeah. part is like when people meet you, they're like, yeah, he's really not that tall. Yeah, at all. yeah exactly. But then they're like, oh, my God, he's enormous. No, that part doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> if you think that if you think if you're disappointed by the uh, height of the Eiffel Tower, just wait till you see the one in Las Vegas. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like 10 feet tall. It's very disappointing. I <laughs> thought you were going to say, wait till you see Dave. <laughs> <laughs> if you're disappointed now, just wait. We got something for you. <laughs> and boom look at that <laughs> nothing but disappointment for you there yeah, exactly. yeah. um so i was unaware that the eiffel tower was haunted i was pleasantly surprised when i started looking to paris and that the eiffel tower actually popped up on the list and i was like i feel like they're just adding this in because it's such a well-known monument you know it's just when you think of paris that's one of the first things that comes to mind right it's the eiffel tower but then with the amount of suicides and, and death that have happened at the tower and I mean, it's obviously been through a lot historically as well. I mean, you talk about it kicking off at the World Fair. Somebody died during the construction. I was shocked that only one person died during the construction. I and know. Then, Compare that to how many people died during the construction of the Egyptian pyramids. At least two. When the aliens yeah. made it, no aliens died. Yeah. <laughs> Not one. <laughs> Very efficient. Um, that was surprising. Then obviously in World War II, you had... Uh, Hitler, who just decided he was like he was going to tear it down. I don't, I don't know if that was just like as a big middle finger to France, or if they were going to try to use it for scrap metal or something. But um, why try to make sense of something that Hitler was doing? He was pretty he big was, asshole. He was <laughs> irrational a little well, bit, just a wee uh, or a lot. The but, yeah. thing I found interesting about the Eiffel Tower was when you mentioned that it was only supposed to be standing for like twenty years or something like that. So like my brain went straight to like, so what's the structural integrity of this now? I'm sure they reinforced it and everything like that, but it doesn't sound like it was designed for a long-term thing, but yet here we are, you know, a hundred years later and it's still It going. wasn't the, the 20 year thing that, um, that wasn't the initial uh, point of it wasn't a structural integrity thing. It was like, okay, we'll, we'll allow you to build this and we'll have it, but we only want it up for 20 years, but it became such a, like a staple and such a massive tourist attraction that they right. left it. But it was never like it's only going to last 20 years, then it's going to collapse. That was never the reason. Yeah, but something that you build with the intent to only stand for 20 years, you do wonder about the structural integrity. But it's wrought iron steel. It's I mean, if you look at it, it looks pretty sturdy. David, did you feel like you were in jeopardy when climbing? No. No, it seems it looks like it's pretty solid. I'm sure they've done some sort of restoration project, but I don't know how often you need to um, do a restoration to something that's made something of something so solid yeah you know it's not a wooden bridge or something like that you know exactly uh stephanie has an interesting question in the chat and if you came across this answer that'd be pretty cool to know do people only see the phantom jumpers at night or daytime as well from the stories that i read i've, I've only heard of um ghosts at nighttime 
Mm-hmm. But I mean, if your average person is seeing it, then I'm pretty sure that would be during the day because I don't know if it's open after hours. It's open till 10.45 p.m. Okay. Very specific. Oh, really, really specific. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. You remember a lot from your trip to Paris. Well, no, uh, I, look, I looked it up when I wrote the story because I wanted the timeline to make sense. Oh, yeah, because you checked his watch at 11.30. Gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the thing that I found particularly creepy about the ghost stories here was – the maniacal laughing of people or of these ghosts before they jump off. And it seems like they're repeating this scene over and over again, where they keep jumping to their death. Definitely very, very creepily. Such an eerie detail. Yeah. Because you wouldn't imagine that's what they were doing when they actually jumped off in real life. Maybe. I mean, I feel like you'd have to be like pretty much completely mad to jump off the Eiffel tower. No, but you're usually like distraught or like in like, like the one we talk, we're going to talk about in Notre Dame, the the girl, she was just like an emotional wreck. Like that's what I think of, like crying, yeah. sobbing, stuff like that. Like your life is like you just feel like you can't go on. You don't like watch what I'm about to do <laughs> and jump yeah. off of the Eiffel Tower. <clears throat> like that's not your mindset typically. Yeah, I don't know. I it's, know. It's hard to hard to pinpoint what the mindset would be. Obviously, it's a sad situation, but I mean, maybe if it's an absolute crazy person or maybe you're in that kind of frame of mind where you're just like ha 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 it's all over i don't know it's a tough uh tough topic to try to pinpoint true very true i just but it's more than one right like from what we are understanding it's multiple jumpers that are that are laughing so Mm -hmm. that's why i find it more interesting it's not it's not just one because one can always be an outlier like you can always say like this one thing is an outlier this one person's laughing when i jump but like it's multiple entities that are jumping and laughing. And it's like, well, what is the significance of well, the laugh? I mean, to be fair, it's multiple accounts of a laughing entity jumping. I don't think it's, I don't remember anyone saying that they were different entities. I thought it was different. Entities. There's multiple entities. I don't know if multiple of the ghosts are laughing, but I believe that the story goes that multiple people had reported that different people were in that okay. state of mind before they jumped as well. So, I don't know. It's hard to confirm this stuff. Obviously, um, city officials and people that are in charge of this sort of thing are going to try to brush as many suicides as possible under the rug when it comes to locations like that and try to not make it about that kind of situation. So, Shout gonna... out to uh, Annie joining us in the chat on Facebook as well. What's up, we Annie? Went Annie to... came to Salem with us. Yes. Good oh. Time. I wasn't invited to that trip. Uh, Irish Assassin's here as well. What's up, buddy? How are you? Thanks for joining. Cody says, I don't know if you guys know anything about this comment, but he says an American werewolf once bungee jumped from it. I don't know if that's a reference to. American werewolf in Paris. American werewolf, probably. (laughs) American werewolf in Paris, Jesse. Okay, gotcha. (laughs) We're getting you up to speed. We're getting you up to speed on these horror movies. I just assumed that it would be French werewolf. It's a movie. <laughs> I haven't French seen it. I clearly time. haven't seen it. I clearly <laughs> haven't seen it. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll review it at some point in the future. All right. Sounds good. Sounds like a plan. Um, so other hauntings there. You have um, security has reported hearing footsteps in some of the empty shops. Are these shops inside the Eiffel Tower, Dave? Or are they like gift shops? I, I would assume there's gift shops and restaurants inside the tower, right? On the like that first level, there's some stuff like you can walk around and do. Okay. Perfect. So that must be where they're hearing footsteps and um, screams as well. I mean, I think the screams would probably be from the the upper levels, but mm-hmm. seems to be plenty of plenty of hauntings going on at the Eiffel Tower. 
and definitely enough history to back it up. So the number is unconfirmed of how many deaths have happened there, but you've also had a few accidental ones. So the main ghost is kind of attributed to either one or a different kind of death, which was one of them. I mean, it actually could be three kinds, I guess it could have, it could have been murder. They're saying that maybe she rejected this guy's proposal and he pushed her from the tower. The other idea is it could have been suicide. And then the third idea is that she was so shocked by the proposal that she backed up over the railing. This is obviously before they had any kind of security in place or just minimal security measures in place. And she had uh, fell to her death accidentally. But either way, her ghost seems to be the one that a lot of people think they see at the Eiffel Tower. Which of those do you think is more believable? I would say I would just I would go with pushed. Yeah, me too. It just yeah. seems so like just you're so happy that you back up off of the eye over the I don't know that just seems so far fetched to me. Yeah, like how I mean I understand you're surprised or I mean how surprised are you? It's the Eiffel Tower. I wonder how many proposals happen at the Eiffel Tower. I even took well, a shot at shot at the unoriginality of it in the opening of the uh, story. Well, I, I'm still single because of this. I keep going and proposing at the Eiffel Tower, and everyone I propose to just gets so excited and so enamored that I'm <laughs> that they fall off. Them, that they're just so shocked that they're going to be able to spend the rest of the life with me that they just fall right off the uh, Eiffel Tower. Oh, that's it's the happened. origin story to why Rob has no family. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah it's happened at least nine <laughs> times now. They all fell off the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting expensive. All these trips to Paris. Yeah, I I can't afford it anymore. Like that's it's got to stop. It's trips point. to Paris or all the funerals, but yeah, one, or, one or the other, right? <laughs> well, we're not married yet, so once they fall, I'm I'm not responsible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, still that's, not officially your family. It's on their family. I just go home. Yeah, Irish goodbye. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, French goodbye. Uh, Cody asks, with all the suicides, has has there been any reports of possessions other than the theory that these people sound like they're or they look like they're possessed before they jump? I don't know if there's been any actual possessions. I don't think people are hanging around long enough to uh, for that kind of thing to set in. But we don't make the rules, right? We don't. I thought you mentioned to me yesterday that there were. Um, there was a story about people being possessed and jumping, or was that Notre Dame? No this this was this was the Eiffel Tower, and the the report is that people look like they're possessed before they jump. Gotcha. Well, maybe there's something to that then. Yeah, we have we have maniacal laughing. Mm. I mean, yeah, you know, like it it adds up a bit. Pops Pop says in the chat, he says it is called the Eiffel Tower. Mm, yes we like that one we like yeah, that one. the resident dad making dad jokes <laughs> the actual dad yeah. <laughs> yeah. so i i do think the possession thing is something not to like brush off in terms of some of the evidence that we have on this one i agree i mean if you look at all like the there's a lot of negative history there you know you, you figure this is a structure that survived world war ii and in france there was a ton of negative history obviously surrounding that time period so who knows mm. mm -hmm. yep uh world war one as well yep true so the um in world war one there was uh i mean the whole city was being bombed and everything and um more surprisingly the cathedral survived the bombing it was virtually untouched uh they said that the only real damage that it took from either war was just some bullet holes uh, in the side of the building, obviously pretty easy to repair those. 
So it's just crazy because that that the structure is so massive. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you how do you miss that? Yeah, like, of all the things in that city, how is that getting missed? Exactly, and um, I mean the church went through a lot. I mean, obviously in 2019 it did end up. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Uh, suffering some ser- pretty serious damage from the fire. But it kind of reminds me of the story of the Swansea Devil, where it's yeah, like, I was thinking the same thing. The whole city was bombed, also by the Nazis, and uh, it virtually took out the entire city except for the building that the that the devil was sitting on. So kind Bef- of uh, before we get fully onto the cathedral, I do want to talk very quickly about your little side quest you brought us on in this episode of the guy that sold the Eiffel Tower twice because that's like a super interesting story. Oh yeah. You know? I love this story. It had nothing to do with ghosts, although his he had kind of an eerie um existence where it got pretty interesting towards the end where this journalist basically dug into his his past it was like i I, he allegedly grew up in the same town as this guy and he's like the most notorious citizen in town everyone's like oh yeah this is the town that that he's from and they just he he dug into it went through all the documents he couldn't find any record of him going to school there and then he straight up just couldn't even find any record that he ever existed which is nuts so, well, it kind of makes sense in the aspect that, like, this guy was the ultimate con man. So he was, and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't mention this in the, uh, um, in the episode. But one of the person that one of the people that he almost scammed, but he backed out at the last minute, which is why I didn't include it. Was guess who? The one and only Mister Al Capone. So, oh my god, as well. <laughs> what would fucking, he have done? What would he have done? We're in Paris. We're in Paris <laughs> and we can't get away with it. No, it wasn't. Um, so he was just always scamming people. Oh, like okay. he's a lifelong con okay, man. So. And he was going to swindle Al Capone out of $50,000. And apparently Al Capone was like, yeah, I'll get it for you right now. And then he. And then the someone second, told him who it was. At the last <laughs> second, he's like, you know what? This is probably not in my best interest. <laughs> I'm going to go sell the Eiffel Tower again. <laughs> His buddy was like, he was like, you know who that is, right? And he's like, oh. Uh, what do we guy, when Sorry, do we Saturday. start our Al Capone podcast? Because we have, we have. This is what we are to right now. <laughs> Hometown uh, ghost where... stories. Al goes to France. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if Al Capone's ever been to France, but here he is in this episode once again. I thought maybe because he also served at Alcatraz, which uh, shout out to Alcatraz again, and another Alcatraz potential escape plot, but uh, that works its way into the episode again. I figured maybe this deal happened. Um, at Alcatraz, but I think it actually happened in Chicago. 
uh, or this deal that never really happened anyways. So, yeah, I would assume it didn't happen when Al Capone was like at his lowest, probably wasn't super easy for him to conjure up 50 grand while he's on an Island jail, but yeah, who knows? Oh, well, I guess you don't really know what it's, you know, mobsters inside jail. They could probably get whatever they want. I don't know. I don't know about 50 grand though. To give to another inmate, like what are you gonna do with the fifty grand now that you have it? <laughs> You're an inmate, so yeah. who knows? But uh, yeah, they 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 seriously were um, they were concerned about him trying to escape from prison, and they had found the evidence that he had torn apart his bed sheets, which made them think that he was trying to make a rope. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know if that rope's gonna get you across the bay into San Francisco, but <laughs> uh, obviously you can use the rope to try to climb something when making your escape so they probably a really good swimmer since he had pneumonia too that probably would have went went together well he's like i already got it so what are you gonna do to me (laughs) yeah it's it's uh it's wild i don't know how we were on alcatraz for five minutes if you factor in pneumonia already into Mm -hmm. the equation will the Mm -hmm. adrenaline be able to get him across the bay i feel like the pneumonia would keep the adrenaline at bay and you'd be able to pace yourself straight across nice write that down that's a good, yeah. That was, that was, I don't want to remember that one. I haven't even fully processed that whole statement yet. <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that. It's like your your theory is you need pneumonia to escape Alcatraz. You're thinking too much into it. <laughs> All right. So uh, Troy says this is, uh, I know this is completely off topic, and I don't know which topic you're talking about because we're completely off topic. <laughs> <laughs> I know this is completely off topic, but I'm from Connecticut and moved to Florida. I have a bunch of places for you guys to check out. Is there any way I can shoot you guys a DM? Yes, you can. So uh, you can either send it just right on right to our Facebook page, or you can join the Discord, or send it on Twitter, whichever way you find best. Or, Twitter is probably the worst way to do it. because Or hometowngoststories at gmail.com. Yes, yep. you can. We would, yes. Love to have your stories, and anybody and anybody else that's tuning that wants to send us some stories, um, yeah, probably the easiest way to do that is just email it, right? Hometown Ghost Stories. Yeah, we're actually we're a little overdue for a listener submission episode. It's been kind of a while. Mm. Won't be Tennessee though, because we refuse. <laughs> we'll get to Tennessee eventually. You refuse. Um, so yeah, like like we mentioned, this will, this will be Paris Part One. Paris Part Two will not be next week unless one of you feels like doing that. It's Rob, it's Rob's week next week, right? So yeah. Unless you feel like doing that, but uh, let's jump into the cathedral. God, I got something to jump in this episode, right? This yeah. is brutal. So this one, I, all right. Let's start with this. These names and dates sounded extremely accurate, and the deaths, and they had who killed who with this suicide thing. If those are all true, there's a very eerie coincidence going on here, and not just the coincidence that it's also people leaping to their deaths like they were at the Eiffel Tower but the names were a little bit similar. I don't know if you guys noticed that there was like Veronica. And then the one that was identical was Veronique mm. and just some strange um, connections there. So I sourced this in the show notes. If you want to go check out the article. However, I did some serious digging trying to double. Cause I always like to confirm it twice. You know what I mean? With multiple sources and you figure, you know, a suicide here at the cathedral would be big news no matter what the year was. Um, I could not find any double sources on any of these. So all of those might might not be accurate, but there's definitely been suicides there. The problem, I think the biggest problem with it was when you Google suicide at the Notre Dame Cathedral, uh, it is flooded with the most recent one. And I think there was one back in, I think, 2013, where every article says that some far-right extremist had killed himself at the cathedral. And I just, I could not get past 
pages and pages of the same exact headline. So I don't know if those stories are true. I also tried Googling the names individually and I couldn't really find anything. So not 100% sure if all those stories are true, but there has definitely been um, the, a, a fair share of suicides. It seems to be everyone that has covered this story, ghostly or just covering the history of it, says that there has been a bunch of women in particular who have jumped from the towers. So there's definitely been suicides. I'm not 100% sure on that, but you can take that for what it's worth and check the show notes and and confirm that if you will. When you were checking your sources on this and you had all these female names that sounded similar, were all roads leading back to Lou Bega's Mambo number five? <laughs> I hate that you made me think of that song because now it's weeks. <laughs> And I hereby curse your chair for doing so. Thanks. Yeah, Careful no with that. Careful with that before. You don't want to reverse the curse have, before the World Series. I have big tournaments the coming up this weekend, yeah. so thank you. Yeah, it's not my fault. Um, has the fire and reconstruction sparked more paranormal at uh, activity at Notre Dame? As far as I know, um, I would. I don't think so. So I think we're going to have to wait and see because uh, it seems like there's more of like a five-year plan to reopen it. Uh, we're about three years into that plan right now. Um, the, I don't know if he's the president or what, what what's the position, prime minister or whatever, but um, Macron or Marcon or whatever his name is, he, he promised Macron. to have the uh, cathedral restored and, and ready to rock within the next five years after the fire. So um, I don't know about any new paranormal activity at the cathedral. I've, I don't even know if it's open again to the public, but. And those stories might not be out yet because it's so, it's happening now, right? right. So. Oh. We've also talked about this before, where whenever there's construction on a mm -hmm. historical site, that seems to be when paranormal activity is at its, you know, highest. So, yeah, definitely certainly be there. Yeah, for sure. But we just we just might not have heard the stories yet. They might take a few years to leak out. It might be when more people are allowed to go back in. Mm -hmm. So, it yeah, could be but, happening. But it's got a ton of. I mean, it's got a ton of history. Obviously, this is like the castles we talked about, where this thing was built in like the 1160s. So it's gone through all this time, all these changes. It's seen so many wars, so many battles. There's been a ton of unbelievably important events held here. I mean, it was the center of everything in Paris. So it was basically, it saw kings being kinged. It saw, you know, big weddings and important situations going on there. Obviously it's, it's had its fair share of death as well. It was, they attempted to burn it down at one point. It had, um, basically been scrapped and turned into a warehouse for a couple of decades until Napoleon restored it to the Catholic church. So it's been through a lot. These walls have seen so many things. They just recently found a, um, a sarco uh, sarcophagus or so something was, was oh, really found underneath the floors. I think um, when they were reconstructing because of the fire and they wow. bro broke it open and found like an old King or something that was, um, or it might've been an old priest or something. I should have the article in front of me, but that was, that was one that was kind of circulating. So they're still finding relics and important things. Um, I had seen a list of some of the stuff that they have there. And I didn't include this in the episode because this is another one that I couldn't double source. But it was apparently at one point, I don't know if it's still there, but they had this one website had claimed that the crown of thorns that was on Jesus's head when he was crucified was believed to be at this cathedral and occasionally one of the paranormal things that could happen here is they see it bleed every once in a while. So I, but I, again, this is one that I couldn't confirm. I had never heard that the crown of thorns had been recovered and was sitting anywhere, but I guess that sounds pretty far fetched Yeah, because where first of all, thorns are biodegradable. So how long are they going to last without falling apart? Right. Not the magical Jesus thorns, Dave. 
I don't know. I don't know anything about that, <laughs> to be honest. But uh, yeah, and how would it have made its way to France? I mean, I guess anything could happen, but uh, yeah, just biologically speaking, that doesn't sound like it's uh, it's going to hold up. In my this opinion, can, this cathedral sounds a lot like uh, an Assassin's Creed game. You got like all the elements to it, like hidden old relics, hidden bodies that you can find underneath the floor, mm-hmm. like yeah, towers that you can jump from. Thanks. You do that in Assassin's Creed, but usually you land in a bay of uh, a, a, a bale of hay. Yeah, a nice little you know, comfortable area of hay that will break you your jump fall. Seven hundred feet, you just land into some hay, and you're fine. So, according I've, to the insider or to insider.com, uh, the crown of thorns is said to be the wreath Jesus wore as he was crucified. It was acquired by King Louis in 1238 and has resided in Notre Dame's Notre Dame. Dame. Dom, right? I think I might have said Dame a couple times in the episode, but that's because I can't read good. Um, has resided in Notre Dame since the French Revolution. So apparently it is there. It looks like it's kind of encased in something. I don't buy it, but no. that doesn't mean that they don't claim that this is the one. Yeah, I mean, because we're talking like 1,200 years later that he acquired this, and it sounds like it was probably just an Eiffel Tower being sold situation. Yeah. Exactly. Right? Like, like, hey, King, you got some money. Let me put something together. I have this crown of thorns that Jesus wore. You should buy it and put it on display. <clears throat> right. So it's it's clearly be, uh, I'll, I'll share my screen so you guys can see it, actually. But the um, or for those watching on YouTube, you can see it. But this is what we're looking at here. So it was uh, saved during the fire. No but way. yeah, it's no inside. Chance. It's inside this like plastic donut thing. Oh, OK. Yeah. All right. That's yeah, he didn't wear this like golden. Oh, oh I was just thing. no, it's inside yeah. there. So okay. <clears throat> Personally, I do not buy it whatsoever, but they treat it as if it is such. Well, if it's lasted from twelve whatever to now, I mean that's it's also... a very very old crown of thorns, regardless, right? Yes, I mean that's about the same amount of time, right? From then till now versus from then till when the crown originated pretty close mm-hmm. anyways so yeah but that means it's double the age of that. exactly no I, I obviously lean towards not buying it yeah i think it's probably more likely a uh king louis got swindled and we don't know how many times that was changed out right over the years right like i don't know i can't i'm into buying things that one is uh that one's pretty far-fetched that one doesn't right. feel right Speaking but again, the, par- the paranormal claim is that they see it bleed. So now I would wonder, now that I've seen it inside this tube, um, does it bleed inside the tube? And why wouldn't the blood still be in that tube if it was bleeding? Or is it just some sort of vision that you're seeing? Um, mm. I don't know. Mm. Lots of questions. Uh, speaking of far-fetched, I find this Biz Cornet story pretty interesting and a little far-fetched. But so the story is he built the doors right and the doors that was stuck shut after he died and he uh said that the the way to open them was with holy water right mm-hmm. so they poured the holy water on it opened my question would be did they try pouring regular water on it also to see if that would also open it i don't well, know when you come to my house you have to use holy water to get the door open this is true that is true i didn't think of that yeah. yeah this is why we never visit it's also why you have no family 
The no, I have no family because they keep falling off the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm getting, my, getting my facts twisted. Um, yeah, so the story, the more interesting version of the story is that he made a deal with the devil because he just couldn't propose a plan that the church would accept. And there's two versions of it, but one of them is that he made the deal with the devil. And then after he made this deal with the devil, sold his soul to him or whatever, uh, then he was able to drop this unbelievable plan. And the church immediately was like, this is the greatest thing ever. Had the construct. I don't know if I guess he probably just designed the ironwork and then someone else did it, but he uh made the design. Construction workers built the doors, put the ironwork on, it was glorious and beautiful and still there today. So if you want to go see the devil's doors, you can go see them. And uh, yeah, they put the doors on, the doors fit, but the doors wouldn't open until the priests sprinkled holy water upon it. When and- the priests learned that the doors were constructed via a deal with the devil, I was surprised they didn't order the doors removed. Right. This is where there's some some gaps in the story, but I guess the suicide note, this is all just legend, so we don't really know, but the, the suicide note gave him directions on how to open the door. He said, you should put holy water on the door to open them. I don't know if in the suicide note, he ever said he made a deal with the devil. So I don't know if the priest would have ever known, but if he didn't put that in the note, then how do we know that he made a deal with the devil? I was going to say, if, if we know, they might know. Mm. Maybe the construction workers knew. Or maybe the priests were just fine with it. They're like, I like these doors a lot. Well, maybe maybe they wanted to show that the power of God is more powerful than the power of the devil. It's like, well, yeah, you made these doors, but we'll show you that we can, uh, you know, we're better than you. Yeah, the they're, other they're version They're not going to curse our church. Yeah, the other version is does not end with his uh, suicide, but the other version is that he made the deal with the devil and then... While he was napping, the devil just went ahead and built the doors himself. And then you still had the holy water situation. Mm. Brodad says the uh, <clears throat> devil's door story is more far-fetched than the crown of thorns story. And I agree with him there. But that is the uh, that is the story of the uh, the doors of Notre Dame, the devil's doors, if you will. All right. Let's quickly talk about some of the people that were jumping off of the structure because those stories were quite graphic. They were um, very terrifying. And then you hear one of the ones you kind of think of, at least I think of it's somebody jumped into these streets and actually took somebody out with them twice. Right. At least, you know, like, so you start hearing that. It's like, man, what a shitty way to go. The only time that was ever good. And I don't know if you ever heard this story. Um, the wife whose husband was leaving her. She was so distraught. She was up on like the 10th floor. He had just told her that they were getting divorced as he left and walked out of the building. She decided to jump. She jumped and landed on him and he passed away and she ah. lived. Oh, that's, that's a true a, story. That's a fun. But twist. did she get charged with murder? I don't think so because you're not specifically doing it on purpose she wasn't aiming for him it was like a coincidence thing you don't think it was like an off the top rope type situation is she batman <laughs> like you think she's she's like she's like you know is I batman am a wrestler this was a, this was a wrestling joke because she chris jericho her way off the top rope and was like take this shout out to chris jericho but he's never jumped 10 stories that you know of that's Yet. true that's that's true if no, anything i think that I, would be a negligent homicide Probably now we've set murder. the bar quite, slaughter. We've set the bar quite literally too high for Chris Jericho here. I mean, I have seen him jump off of like a three-story cage, so anything's possible. It's impressive. It's impressive. It's impressive. 
Um, again, I I feel like there would be more references or, or what are the sources from this this website that that got all these names and everything. So I don't doubt it, and it, it is it is like common knowledge that you know women in particular have been jumping from the towers for years. It's just a common way of suicide. That's why they won't let people up the towers without a chaperone in many cases in, in particular in that one case that I talked about. So I don't know if anybody's ever been there and you've been able to go up to those towers uh, without a chaperone, you let me know if that's not the policy, but I'm just going off what we read on the internet. So here we are. Always accurate. Always accurate. <laughs> and then obviously it's not completely out of the question. These things do happen. And as recently as 2013, you had that case with guy walked in during Sunday mass and just shot himself in front of everybody. Pretty horrifying for the people there to see that. That's uh that's, that's one way to do it. Mm, yeah. That's always alarming. You see that from time to time, but mm-hmm. always catches you off guard. Cody G says, speaking of Jericho, I thought you were supposed to be on his podcast again. Uh, we are. So Jericho uh, is much more prepared than we are, and he backlogs a lot. Like, he's got a lot of uh, episodes in the bank. So I don't know when he's going to release the one that we were on. Last time it took a couple months, so we'll see. What but we did record it. Time. recorded it back in October. So and I am it's in the chamber. Jealous. I am so jealous that he has everything backlogged. It I know. Is I know. Nah. My dream to have our stuff like that um, someday. In our defense, if we were just doing audio, we could we could have 10 episodes backlogged. But we like going live. We like doing video. We like talking to chat live here. It seems to be something that's relatively unique to podcasting. I haven't listened to another podcast that does this. And the right. show would not be the same without you guys. So here we are. And uh, and that's kind of what we're doing here. So no, some of the some of the regular commenters are literally just like part of the show. Their names are mentioned every <laughs> single episode. Their yeah. commentary, commentary is, is with us. So it's, you know, definitely unique. Yeah, we're not paying you though. No, nope. <laughs> Billy has a good tip for these uh, these priests here at the church. That next time this happens, placing a pan of water near the door can help add moisture to the air to prevent the doors from sticking. But what if you'd put a pan of holy water near the door? Will that be more effective? It's like using margarine instead of butter. Adding moisture to the air can also cause the wood to swell, make the door stick shut. Hmm. Uh, Dave has to ruin everything, huh? Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you just you put margarine on your door. Can we go back to that? There's <laughs> <laughs> no need to. You don't don't worry about what I do over here. All right, gotcha. Yeah, I'm just don't have to address that at all, <laughs> for sure. Um, so that's pretty much it on those. Uh, well, I guess we should talk about the ghosts as well. So they see a ghost. This is a particularly creepy one, and I think this is our first roof ghost. Actually, oh, might be our second. No, we investigated a roof ghost. Yeah, in Vermont. In Vermont. Right? Yep, he was yeah. tap dancing on the roof, right? Mm. So we had, we did have sort a roof of. ghost before, but these ones, they kind of drift between these really creepy gargoyles. And, <clears throat> and I uh, blew it by not including an image of these gargoyles, so I will Google those. But you have these ghosts, they kind of gargoyles. Oh, boy. Ooh, Wait, that's oh, we one. forgot to upload the crickets. For this is why we shouldn't go live, because <laughs> we need to edit that out. <laughs> Nobody's editing out my puns. Not allowed. So this, this is one of those buildings uh, similar to the Emily Morgan Hotel where they have these really creepy gargoyles. Um, I'm trying to pull up a, a solid image of it right now, but they straight up look demonic. And I think this is not by accident, but they have these uh, these gargoyles and the ghosts seem to drift from uh, from gargoyle to gargoyle. Soph says she's triggered because of the crickets. We're sorry to bring it up. Sorry, bring it up. We won't tell the story if you don't want us to, but you know, there's a specific reason pretty why great, she's drinking. Pretty great inside story there. <laughs> <laughs> it is. 
Um, so here are some of the gargoyles here. So these are the ones on Notre Dame, um, Notre Dame's Cathedral. Oh, Famous gargoyles and grotesques. Yeah, there's a uh, like look at this one. look at this guy mm-hmm. over here. Yeah. So for those who are uh, audio listeners, you guys can Google just the gargoyles on Notre Dame, and and you're gonna see some of these ones. They seem to have these devilish looking creatures, and I don't know. This one looks like a dog in pain, but the one next to it looks more like a uh, ghoulish kind of creature. And it, oh man, look at these guys. Yeah. And they just have a random cow. <laughs> you have like gargoyle winged dog creature this guy looks like an angry monk bent over and then just like, yeah, yeah. yeah just some cattle yeah but anyways it um, ran out yeah lots of intricate uh designs Is that just a thing. random castle underneath it too like just a structure of a castle right there underneath the gargoyle it does it looks like just a little toy castle maybe that's the mailbox you know some houses have like a mailbox like a mini version of their house i doubt that dave oh, i hate those think people so. I hate those people. <laughs> Mini version of their own house. Yeah. Is that is the art that they have to be like, as soon as you see that, you're like, I don't want to know them. Yeah. <laughs> those are the ones that can hit with the baseball bats first. Yeah. You got to get rid of those. Like I, it's allowed. It's not even illegal to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And then you also have the hunchback, which we really mentioned, but I don't think we need to. So no, that's pretty much the Notre Dame cathedral. A lot of history, a lot of hauntings. Uh, the ghosts, like we mentioned, they seem to be drifting from tower to tower on the roof. Uh, they can be heard screaming to a point where security is called. We've heard that in a few situations. And, you know, they obviously have to check to make sure that nobody had jumped. It's happened before. It could happen again. So they go and check and obviously they don't find anybody because it seems to be the sound of a ghost. So some creepy hauntings there. Anytime you have a screaming ghost, like that's like next level horrifying. Yeah, mm. it really is. Screaming, you- crying. Yeah, when you hear something faint, like, oh, I think I heard a whisper, you think maybe it's just my mind playing tricks on me, but you hear a scream, there's no denying it. There's no denying mm. it. Then you have to try to find a source of it, and there's no source of it, then it's then it's terrifying. So, and obviously we talked a lot about suicide on this episode, which is always sad to talk about, but it is one of the main reasons why hauntings are believed to occur, is that um, you know, in in traumatic situations, murder accidental deaths or suicides these are like the top tier reasons that hauntings can take place and um a lot of times it's replaying their death so it makes sense that these ghosts could be walking along the roof it makes sense that you might hear the screams or see someone jumping off whether it's here or the eiffel tower so that seems to be the case in uh in these situations in france i know there's a couple other locations you guys wanted to touch on now like i said i don't want to hit on any of the heavy hitters because there will be at least a france part two yeah in the near future so uh, did you guys have a location you wanted to touch on? I got at least one small one that I wanted to mention because I thought it was noteworthy. So this is uh, Gerard de Naval. The French romantic poet and public eccentric Naval is best known for his Orientalist travel diaries, his habit of roaming the streets of Paris with his pet lobster in tow, and his grisly suicide by hanging in a shady corner of the fourth arrondissement where the Theater de la Ville stands today. Haunted by demons in his life, in death, the poet visits the same fate upon the local theater goers. Spectres claim to have seen his form pop up on stage in a ploy to distract the actors, though the lobster doesn't appear to have accompanied them, him to their afterlife. That's I, uh, I wanted a ghost lobster. I know. A ghost that lobster would have been a great... Uh, that would have been an epic first. The problem is lobsters just don't die unless you kill them. That's true. Which is a theory? really weird biological fact. <laughs> yeah, that's actually true. <laughs> I think that like the only ways that they die is like if they outgrow their shell, 
like like that's eventually how I'll die. I'll just get too fat for my own body and just expand. But the uh, yeah, there's like no like documented cases of lobsters dying from just like old age or whatever. Yeah, it's pretty weird. So tough to get ghost lobsters when they just don't freaking die. Mm, interesting. I'm all I'm all frazzled now. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot to take in at once. It is. It is. I'm just glad we finally got a chance to talk about lobsters on the show. Lily asked if the lobster got hanged too. I don't know. <laughs> I hope not. Yeah, let's hope not. Uh, hope yeah, not I have nothing else to hit on in Paris because, like you said, we're going to be doing multiple parts of this throughout the years, decades that we're going to be doing this show. So yeah, we don't have to get too much into it. But the but Paris also had their own demon barber. So, you know, there was Sweeney Todd. Paris had um, the demon barber of Rue de... I'm not even going to try to pronounce that. Yeah, zero French accents in this episode so far. I'm pretty happy about it, to be honest with you. I was practicing it on my way home today. And um, I thought I was getting pretty good at it. But this is one of those accents where it's like, if I don't... If I'm not listening to it, like, right now, Mm. then I'll, I'll just forget how to do it. Hence why I didn't really attempted too much in the episode and hence why I absolutely butchered their pronunciation of whatever that museum was. <laughs> so well, they just, they always sound angry, right? I don't think so. Sometimes. No, it's always angry. We waited all episode for a French accent and that's what you gave us. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't do it right. Hold on. That was, I'm not French, but Bidet, bidet. Yeah. I like it better when Rob doesn't do accents. I think yeah, we need to go back to that version of Rob better. I miss those days. Hey, you guys, you guys should have done them. I had to get the chat the chat happy and do an accent. (laughs) I got one more little story here. I'll give it a shot. Jesus Christ, please. All right. This is the uh I have a proposal to make on the on the Eiffel Tower tomorrow. (laughs) This is the Jeu d'Amancerie. The grim history of the otherwise picture-perfect Parc Montsouris is a fine mesh of fact and fiction. The name of the nearby rue d'Aton, Jeu, hints its most durable legend, that of Jeu de Montsouris, the brigand who resided here in the ninth century, terrorizing passing travelers after his head was lopped off by William de Herculin. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> I'm sorry, William. Who? Uh, yeah, quit. I don't got no <laughs> how, um, You know how we get that list of like where we're listened, how many listens we get per city. I, I am excited to see Paris just absolutely drop out of the picture. Know, it's going to do really well for this episode, and then uh, and then it is not. It will yeah. not do well after that. We have offended yeah. every French person in here. Anyways, uh, let's thank our patrons real quick. We have Jeannie R, Justin T, Lisa J, Mike B, Mom and Pops W, Stephen V, and Demon King. Those are our VIPs. Thank you guys so much for all your contributions. We appreciate you guys very much. Uh, we also have Anna C, Even Better Hometown Ghost Stories, Garrett, Jake V, Rachel B, Stephanie A, Sydney B, Anthony Angry, Dave Rocks T, Brandon W, Brennan B, we have Captain McSlugs, Cody G, brand new patron, Huggy Bear. Thank you so much. Uh, Kiri Lee J, Mark M, Matthew T, Mariah M, Papa Squatch, Sarah R, Sarah W, Solar Flare, Soph, and Hooper. Thank you guys so much for as little as $3 a month. You too can join us on Patreon. Yeah, and Rob, Rob chat, you had a really good review. Chat yeah. That's my, uh, my French accent. Just want to throw that out there. Like <laughs> is, a, is a word that wasn't used. 
I don't know. Read the comments. They like it. Mm-hmm. They're lying. They're lying. They might be. They might be. So a silent death sent us a Apple podcast review. That is their username. And they wrote, man, I am absolutely obsessed with this show and hate that I have to wait for more, but I have listened to the podcast three times all the way through. And I still learn something new each time. You guys are a saving grace. My dad died a year ago to cancer and it was pretty ugly. And I experienced my first, I had my first experience with the paranormal. You guys have helped me relax and calm down on my worst days and have truly given me a reason to push through them. Love what you guys do and would love to do anything I can for you guys, even if you have to just lock me in one of these places for a month and give you all the data you need. LOL. I would join your VIP, but my fiance would literally kill me. But I love you guys and look up to you guys like your family. Um, wow. Phenomenal review. It's always humbling to read reviews like that, to be perfectly honest and serious for a second. It just it blows my mind. And we understand that not everyone can join the Patreon. If you can, it's awesome. Do not feel bad if you cannot. We are not. There's no hard feelings if you can't. Everyone has their own situation. But if you do want to help us and it's free, just leave us a review. Shoot us an email. Let us know. Yeah, That's but seriously, that that was uh that was the most humbling of the reviews. Yeah, that that one um that was awesome. That was a really yeah. good review. So yeah. sorry to hear about uh your dad there. And uh glad we could help out in whatever way we can help out. Yeah. So love seeing reviews where people um are listening multiple times to the show. People yeah. have you guys had anyone reach out and ask you about a something on the show and you have to like go back and listen because you're like, I don't remember what that is. I was put on the spot to talk about uh, James Dean's Porsche while on the radio. <laughs> I, I dropped the interview for Patreon listeners and some of you guys checked it out, but um, he's like, Oh yeah, you did an episode on a, about uh, James Dean's Porsche. Let's talk about that right now on the radio. I'm like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> luckily I did find the interview, but I was like, well, I really wish, uh, really wish I had more of a heads up to, uh, to go through the, the facts and re-listen to that episode, but did find on the interview anyways. And for those of you on Patreon, you can scroll back a few months there and, um, uh, check out that post if you haven't already. Yeah. Um, I like this comment from Amanda. <laughs> Amanda <Damn it>. <laughs> and she will consider joining Patreon if she never has to hear that French accent again. I'm not so what, we, can add a, we can add a Patreon, a special Patreon tier where you get the whole episode with the, <laughs> access, the edited out. <laughs> she very well may have been talking about whatever the hell you did, Rob, for your French accent. Oh, oh that yeah, was an accent. Yeah, that was, likely, you, did, yeah. you did your best just to just to completely remove any French listeners that we have in oh, those few but, offending moments. I was offended. I was offended. Who's been to Paris more out of all of us? The answer is me. <laughs> How else will he kill off his whole family? Anyways, um, <laughs> so coming up uh, on the show, we have uh, our next celebrity haunting will be the ghost of Abraham Lincoln. And this could have been a whole episode on how haunted the White House apparently is. But this is obviously, you guys have heard of Abraham Lincoln before. Um, if you haven't and you're not American, then, you know, tune into the episode and you'll find out all about him. But... That'll be the next celebrity haunting. It is actually a really good one. I just jumped on it because I'm running out of celebrities that haunt places. And I'm like, ah, I know the ghost of Abe Lincoln, I think, haunts the White House. So we hopped into that. And there was a lot more than I thought there was going to be with a lot of really, really reputable people that have ghost settings. So it's going to be an interesting one. Yeah, that's a good one that we should have saved to February for President's Day. But, you know, to each their own. If you want to derail the show, it's fine. 
It's just the timeline, not the show. The show's gonna be really good. Anyways, the um, next horror movie review that people should—I mean, the next horror movie that people should be watching to keep up with the reviews would be Pet Cemetery. Both of them. Both of them. The original and the remake. It's up on Patreon already, but that'll be the next to drop on the podcast feed. Yeah. Cool. And then we're talking about covering the movie Lullaby. As well. I think the babysitter is another one that we Yeah, we're going to do the babysitter. About. We're going to do lullaby. We have so many things going on. Pray Same for things too. I will say me and Dave sat down to watch uh, Pray for the Devil together. And mm. we got about halfway through. This was on the same night as our Christmas special. So this was on Christmas, obviously. Mm. But this is where my internet was going in and out. So we were able to watch 20 minutes before my internet shut off. So we didn't get through the whole thing. But I will say it started off pretty strong. So maybe that one can mm. go on the list. But um, yeah, so Pet Cemetery would be next, folks. So if you want to keep up with what we're covering in the horror movie reviews, then go check that out and uh, watch both of them. Keep right up with it. Anything else, gentlemen? That's going to do it for me. That's it. All right. Very good. We'll catch you next time.